0: Young man, Eller Coltrane, travels across the western U.S. with a handheld recorder, gathering sounds. This is By the River. Episode two. Eller continues talking with friends in Austin before setting out on his journey.
1: Yeah, I think it is funny how just as humans, you know, we're so, wrapped up in our own you know concerns and fears and you know we worry so much i think about our effect on the environment or on other species and you know there's this whole kind of uh i don't know constant push in human consciousness and thought and philosophy to view ourselves as you know separated from from nature, and you know, I don't think that's true. I think we're, you know, the whole idea of natural versus unnatural, again, is kind of based on this idea of something touched by the hands of humanity is, you know, unnatural, while something, you know, that was created through longer processes of evolution is natural, but we're...
2: We're a function of nature.
1: Yeah, we're just as much another function of nature another part of the ecosystem as anything else and so when people talk about you know human overpopulation or pollution or you know these different effects we're having on the planet you know again it's always from this very sort of um, negative type of viewpoint you know of that you know things again created by humans are somehow bad or removed from nature when really I think I think it just shows that the speed, perhaps, of, you know, the natural evolutionary processes or the, uh, um, what would you call almost like the the biochemical reactions within the larger ecosystem of the planet, um, that those things, you know, they're not, they're just like, if anything, just a further extension of, of the same forces of change and evolution that have been at work since the planet formed, you know, since the... The beginning of the universe, and uh, and so it's not necessarily, you know, a bad thing if suddenly there's too many humans. Something else in the evolutionary system will um, will work itself out in a way. I don't think we have to view it as like that. There's somehow it's good or bad the kinds of changes that are we're causing. They're just changes. There have been other periods where. You know, most life was in the ocean or most life, you know, was maybe very large, like uh, dinosaurs or things like that. Those were, again, just different, uh, different expressions or different phases of this whole larger process. And so I think, you know, why is it necessarily bad that there's too many humans or that certain other species are dying out because I mean that's just again part Sometimes of the natural
0: decays itself.
1: process you know we don't see a lot of the the animals from past you know uh epochs or kind of eras of history still around uh, they had their influence and led other things to keep evolving and so humans may be the same sort of way perhaps you know we are catalyzing you know through our actions kind of the future evolution of the planet by pushing out you know maybe specific species or um, perhaps by overpopulating will allow other species like bacteria or viruses to evolve through us you know you can almost view our our technology perhaps as again another almost species that's evolving out of uh,
2: yeah, a new form of consciousness that we've
1: that like. we've created, and so that's the interesting thing. Is I think it's it's less, as a lot of people view it, as some sort of you know unnatural negative hand of humanity, kind of stirring up the evolutionary pod. If anything, I think it's the same forces of evolution are just now themselves consciously aware of their own evolutionary process, and are in turn perhaps in the future, through our technology, you know, and through the ways that we're changing the planet, uh, evolving further, even more refined, more self-reflective variants of life, and that, you know, we're, it's not like everything, evolution just stopped, you know, once humans started, you know, having civilization or, or talking about it, we're, completely a part of the process we're completely one with nature and really the only illusion i feel like we have to get over is just that we are somehow separate that we are somehow um this almost like blight on the planet or or a virus or something we're just we're just another um sort of avatar or um it's another avenue for, for life to express itself just like all the other creatures and plants and animals and bacteria on this planet and I don't think we're we're any better or worse we're just more aware of, that we exist perhaps than certain other forms of, of life we're more stuck on the fact that we exist I don't even know if maybe uh, like trees yeah. maybe they figured it out they it's figured like I'm it here it's
2: like alright <laughs> I'm here
1: it's okay. We've everything's just, like we spend great. All,
2: like most of our time freaking out about the fact that we exist.
1: Most other animals don't even think about that they or at least we don't know for sure, but it seems like they don't think about that they have, you know, some kind of a separate entity or existence. They're so one with their instincts with the environmental data they're getting through their perceptions and their sensory systems that they don't even really question you know their role in things and we have the ability which I think is both a blessing and a curse to look at ourselves from this kind of outside self-reflective you know almost viewing ourselves objectively sort of viewpoint you know we can say oh my god I exist I'm You know, able to do all these things and question it all, and well, I think that's like led us to you know create and to think about a lot of beautiful things. At the same time, in some ways, it holds us back. That we do still feel this sense of separateness or imperfection, while the rest of nature is just well, yeah. I feel like I mean, I mean, it's like that's
2: that's the thing about consciousness is that it's like it is. Like, the awareness of reality implies something, like, some plane or space outside of reality, which reality is within, which would allow you to observe that reality exists, you know? And it's like, without some other place that you could be to observe reality, there would be no way to know it's there. And it's like, that's, it. like that's what consciousness is. It's just like that... But it's also not, because it's made of... Physical reality, but
1: well, yeah, somehow both... these
2: somehow these parts, these working parts, have generated, you know, something outside of ourselves and outside of our physical reality.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like there's almost this kind of duality or this dual layer of that. You know, we're both aware of, you know, our ourselves. And but, but by doing that, by being aware of ourselves, we suddenly, um, I guess, kind of lose sight of the fact that we're still one with the rest of nature, we're one with the rest of existence, but somehow through, you know, almost that kind of separate two-layered sort of consciousness you have to have, I guess, to be self-aware and to realize that you are a part of a larger whole, it's like you you almost have to separate yourself to have that awareness of, of oneness. And that's kind of one of the weird... Well, it's like without that, it's not you being
2: a part of the whole. It just is the whole.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. You're right. There's no separate identity in there anymore.
2: Yeah. It's not, it's not even parts. It just is. But then you add, you add that the individual consciousness, the personality. And it's just... And we're so freaked out about it that we made these machines to, like, mimic... Mimic our curse.
1: Yeah, it is funny how that's, like... Again, another kind of, like, basic human drive is to somehow almost create something else like ourselves, since we find ourselves kind of the only beings, you know, with this weird sort of both awareness that they're part of a whole and yet this separation from the whole, and so we have this whole kind of you know, strange complex almost, of just like questioning ourselves and questioning our purpose instead of you know realizing what our perspective allows us is to is to yes be aware like of the possibility of of wholeness but also to you know kind of return to that and be centered to that
3: In Austin, what one of thirteen along with you left? Right, barely a handful. Yeah, an exotic creature. Oh yeah, I love how they always go. Wow, you're from here. I've never met anybody from here before. <laughs> you're one of those. You guys and you're are like real? What kind of loser am I that I stayed here? <laughs> and now I'm talking
2: to that person. That's <laughs> like stuck
0: around to become an attraction. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. The tickets are on sale. You have to have an ACL pass. Oh man. I want our parks back. That's my biggest complaint with the changes in Austin. They have just, they, they've taken our parks from us, especially the dog park. No mess with the dogs. That's, yeah. that's idiotic. It's the first sign of a society going wrong. It's how they treat their animals.
0: Yeah,
2: and when we start to get rid of the nature get rid of the trees and we just get rid of the crackheads <laughs>
3: get rid of the condos and the crackheads turn them into parks. I remember when there was no condos there now it it seems normal they've been there long enough yeah I don't get it should have traveled way more should have seen more of the world but it wasn't in the cards as much. The family. You can't go to South America with a dog. Right. It'll jump in the water and just disappear. It's like, <laughs> nah. Oh, electric my. eel. They had like four or five cowboys ride their horses into a pond. Horses threw them off. They fell to the bottom, grabbed on, and held there. There was like 20 electric eels in there. One of them kill you. But anyway, it's warmed. Enough about the Discovery Channel. <laughs> God. Oh, well. We have parrots. That's new. Yeah. Exotic pets. Yeah. On, the, on the lamb. Well, we're not as bad as Florida. Go for Urn. a walk, see a king cobra. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't gonna pass customs.
2: Well, where would where would you have gone if you
3: had traveled, or if you if you do travel? And what would you look for? Well, at this point, most people are going to leave Austin for the main reason of the pollen and the mold and the continual sickness that goes along with being here. Right. I mean, there's people every day that they're moving here, but there's people every day they're moving away that can't handle it. <laughs> I mean. I've, I feel like it's a living hell most of the time. I don't know, though. New Mexico. But they've got the same pollen. Yeah. So, uh, the mountains are nice, though. People are more laid back. Austin used to have such a nice laid back crowd. And now it's squeaky cheeky and clicky. And, uh, like I've said before, it's... It's just a new disco with bad music. Not that disco has ever had good music. (laughs) So just a disco. Yeah. Yeah. The disco, the fun house. Same place, the lights have changed. Here's a question, for whom is the fun house fun? Anyone? The people who try and uh, live the nightmare that's their dream, they come (laughs) here and they they're stubborn about it. They they go out, they party themselves to death. And after about three, four DWIs here, you know, they, they realize they have to live in San Antonio because they can't Maybe afford it. Maybe I should have stayed at home. Yeah. It's just, shouldn't have ever even moved here. No, That's <laughs> not. I've always been one of those people I believe that, you know, you got to Austin as fast as you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I always felt for people that were moving here. But lately, it's, it's too much. It's just, it's become too much of a, a scene where, you know, it's just a scene. As you get older, you don't want a scene, you want a life, you yeah. know, and yeah. one big festival. Oh God. <laughs> Yes, there should be a warning sign. If you've moved here, you're not going to be driving around very often because the festivals are going on just non Yeah.
2: That's the whole thing, people come here during South By or ACL, and they think that's just what Austin is.
3: So where are you planning on traveling? Right now? Um, First to El Paso. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> actually, never, it's, I've, actually, I've, it's I've not never, that
2: bad. I've never been there. I'm very interested.
3: There's no crime in El Paso. That's <laughs> so where so all right the here. drug lords' kids go to school. Right. So, yeah. If you do any crimes, you just disappear. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like it's like, oh, he shouldn't have done that. You know, like protected. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty protected. Here. Westbound passengers, all
0: aboard. celebrity relative of a young man killed in a snowball fight, rather killed when hit in the head by a large rock packed in snow, is campaigning hard against snowball fights, struggling against the odds to raise awareness while also promoting her next movie, a charming picture called Snowman's Folly, about an ill-fated big-hearted snowman who must get a quirky celebrity girlfriend in order to break the spell he is under and not melt into a puddle when winter ends. I really believe in this movie, she tastily confides, and I really believe in myself and my dead relative. But snowball fights are fun, somebody offers. And besides, you live in Southern California. The eager celebrity relative loses herself and throws a rock hard at the head of her antagonist, dropping him with a direct strike to the temple. How fun was that, she demands. As we get beyond North Yard, which is the next rail yard we'll go
2: through. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to
0: stand here and wait until we get the next wave uh, signal. You have been listening to By the River, featuring audio from Eller Coltrane and Kevin Ford, music by Brian Dillon and Mike Barnhart. For more episodes, please subscribe.